Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, Call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093-800-715-6093-800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, folks, this is Don Geyser. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that extends our condolences to the family, friends, loved ones, and fans of Ken Osmond. Ken Osmond, the actor known around the world as Eddie Haskell on Leave it to Beaver. Ken Osmond passed away last week at the age of of 76 you might recall that we had an opportunity to talk to ken on tv confidential back in october 2014 it was a well-rounded conversation that covered not only ken's showbiz life before and after leave it to beaver but his distinguished career as a peace officer with the los angeles police department as some of you may know ken osmond not only served 20 years with the los angeles police department he was shot twice in the line of duty and lived to tell about it. We talked to Ken about his struggles with PTSD in the years following his shooting, as well as his triumphant return to television later in his career in the new Leave It to Beaver. It's a well-rounded conversation. We're going to replay it at the top of our second hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, this weekend, as this program airs, this weekend is the weekend of May 30th. May 30th, of course, the original date for Memorial Day for more than a century here in the U.S. before it became a national holiday in 1971 and that being the case this being the traditional date for memorial day it is only fitting that we spend part of the day with our friend marvin j wolf marv wolf author journalist screenwriter novelist raconteur and a veteran of the u.s army marv served more than 13 years active duty with the u.s army including a combat tour in vietnam before returning to the states and embarking on a very successful career as a freelance writer and photojournalist. Marv's latest book, 
they were soldiers, profiles about 50 men and women from various walks of life who served in Vietnam in one capacity or another. The book hopes to shatter the perception about Vietnam veterans that has persisted over the past four decades. We'll talk about that and more in just a second. But first, They Were Soldiers is a collaboration between Marv Wolf and Joseph L. Galloway. Joseph Galloway served four tours in Vietnam for United Press International and later and later 20 years as senior editor and writer for U.S. News and World Report. He is also the co-author of the best-selling We Were Soldiers books, the first of which was made into a motion picture also entitled We Were Soldiers, starring Mel Gibson. Joe and Marv have known each other for more than 50 years. We were talking about that as we pick up the conversation. We met in Vietnam. We've known each other for 55 years. He was an UPI reporter in Topeka, Kansas, and he decided he wanted to, to cover the war, so he began badgering his bosses, and eventually they sent him to Saigon. And he was one of, I would say, 10 or 15% of the whole press corps in Vietnam who actually went out into the field with the troops. Most of the others just stayed down in Saigon where... It was relatively safer. Nothing was safe. And uh, took the 5 o'clock briefing, which we called the 5 o'clock follies, because it was about 50%. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but not Joe. Joe was in the field. If you read that introduction of his, uh, he learned to march with the troops, and he learned how to talk to the troops, and he learned how to make the troops trust him. As he said, uh, they thought he was crazy, but crazy is something every infantryman understands. Well, yeah, I mean, any infantryman can understand that, yeah. uh, regardless of what war that they served. And one of the things he writes in his foreword is, if you're going to write about soldiers, the people who are on the line especially, you have to be honest. Because if you're not honest, that's going to catch up with you in a hurry. It will. Sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So, okay, so you, you and Joe have known each other for 50 years. You met in Vietnam. Uh, how did you... Uh, we stayed in touch all this time. Shortly after I got out of the Army in 74, he was assigned as the UPI bureau chief in L.A. What spurred you to get together and write uh, this book, We Were Soldiers? We have been sort of talking about this... The, the injustice done to my generation, our generation, particularly those who had served in the, in the military, uh, the way we were treated when we came home, the way we were characterized in movies and film and television, the crazed Vietnam veteran. Uh, people saw films like, oh, I've forgotten the name. It was one where they were playing Russian roulette. Oh, uh, The Deer Hunter? Yeah, The Deer Hunter. That's Hollywood. One of the guys that's in this book, Marshall Carter, who was a Marine, a very good Marine, West Point graduate, son and grandson of a West Point graduate, son and grandson of generals. He left active duty when he was a major after five years of active duty, or more than five years of active duty, five years out of the country where he hadn't seen his family. And he worked very hard to try to find a job. He sent out 107 resumes and got one reply from Chase Manhattan Bank. And they hired him, and for the next five or six or seven years, he was learning the banking business. All of his bosses were younger than him, 
mostly they didn't know quite what to make of him. And the reason I bring this up now is a question that was asked of him more than once was, did you guys ever play Russian roulette like like the little deer hunter? And he'd smile and he'd say, uh, we carried automatics. It's a much different game. <laughs> Marvin Wolf is with us via Zoom. Marv's latest book, They Were Soldiers, The Sacrifices and Contributions of Our Vietnam Veterans, profiles 50 men and women who not only served in Vietnam, but went on to make further sacrifices and important contributions to their community and the country at large, while often overcoming um, stereotypes, Hollywood stereotypes, as Marv just described, as well as the animosity that society had towards the Vietnam War in general. They Were Soldiers is a collaboration with Joseph L. Galloway, New York Times bestselling author of the We Were Soldiers series, and like Marv, a decorated Vietnam veteran. They Were Soldiers, available in hardcover and as an ebook through Nelson Books, an imprint of Thomas Nelson, as well as Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, going back to sort of the genesis of how you and Joe came to write They Were Soldiers, you begin the book with a quote from Neil Sheehan, the Pulitzer Prize winning author, who once wrote in 2015 that the soldiers in Vietnam are as great and noble as any generation of soldiers that preceded them. They just drew a bad war. First of all, there's no such thing as a good war. And more importantly, I've World come... War, World War II was a good war. Well, yes. It was a good war because it was a necessary war. A war that's necessary is a good war. So we haven't had any, any good war since the Korean War. That was a necessary war. Okay, I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. And you, this kind of speaks... <laughs> that's, that's right. I said corrected, too. Yeah, I want to tell you a little bit more about Joe. Okay. You, you may remember a movie with uh, Mel Gibson called We Were Soldiers. Yes. That was based that's, on his book. It's based on Galloway's book. Yeah. Joe Galloway was on the ground during the Battle of the Yudrang and was awarded a Bronze Star with V for Valor. He was a civilian, but he arrived with a rifle, and when it became necessary to be a fighter, he put aside his notebook and he fought. And this was noticed by General Moore. They became very, very good friends, and they wrote uh, that first book and then the second book, which was about returning to Vietnam 25 or 30 years, 30 years after the battle, and finding in Hanoi the officers who had commanded the unit against them, the people that they had fought. They were both trying to kill each other, and then together going to, to the battlefield and walking it and learning lessons from each other about the peace and war. It was a great, great book, a little neglected compared to the first one. So this is for Joe, not me, but for Joe, this is the end of a trilogy. It's a book 
started with, we were soldiers, we are soldiers still, and they were soldiers. I have to take credit for the title, so I will. <laughs> I, I thought that stri strictly as a marketing issue, it fit in much better than my original title, which was The Next Greatest Generation. I don't know if my generation was as great as the one that came before us, but I believe very firmly that those who served in Vietnam are among the greatest of this generation, of our generation. Yes, especially when you consider everything. Everything on top of putting their lives on pause and sacrificing two, three years, in many cases more, to serve their country and factoring in all the other stuff that was going on and how the, the country at large uh, reacted and, and, and rejected the war and having to come home to all of that stuff. So when you factor in all of that, I mean, Vietnam, vet, you, you make the case, and it's a good case, uh, that Vietnam veterans are as great as the so-called greatest generation. I believe that to be true, and you just have, just have to read this book and see that all, this is just a tiny fraction of all that we have accomplished as a group. Limits to how much you can put between the covers of a book. I actually interviewed about 65, Joe and I together, about 65 veterans, and we wrote four or five or six more stories than we used, but there were limitations. So one of the people we cut, because he had two books about him in a movie, was Rocky Blyer, the football player. Right wore Super Bowl rings. A hell of a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Very interesting story. But it's what's well known. One of the unanticipated effects of the book, I had no idea this would happen. I'm getting letters now from, we sent out advanced copies to everyone who was in the book. Mm -hmm. I'm getting letters and emails from some of these guys who are saying, I'm in the same book with these famous people, you know, with Colin Powell. He's the next chapter for me. I mean, I, I can't imagine ever being in the same book with a guy named Colin Powell. Well, I'm glad that they feel elevated by this, but I think Powell is equally elevated by what they have accomplished. Well, because every person that you spoke to, every person who appears, whose lives are profiled in They Were Soldiers, they, they have that one thing in common of service and service in Vietnam. That is the unifying bind that uh, you know, keeps you all together. Yes, and I have to tell you that the, the writing the book itself was a great adventure. It had an upside and a downside. Uh, the upside was just talking to all these wonderful, wonderful people. The downside was something called secondary PTSD. Uh, if you are, for example, a uh, a clinical psychologist and you were working with someone who is severely depressed or uh, has uh, serious issues and you listen to their stories, it's possible to transfer some of that trauma. And that's what happened to me. I woke up for over a period of months dreaming these guys' terrible stories, the terrible things that happened to them, particularly the guys who were the POWs. There was a guy named Ted Gostas. Uh, who survived the unsurvivable, and he did it by going crazy, by literally going mad. He was almost five years in a room by himself with a white rat, a uh, 
what's this little insect predator that eats other insects? A praying mantis. He was in a room. I will describe the room as the size of a fat man's coffin with these two creatures. He was tortured daily, beaten constantly. They took him to China, literally across the border into China, and Russians interrogated him. Why? Because he was an intelligence officer. Uh, he was an intelligence officer running an operation in, in uh, Huey before the Battle of Huey. And by running an operation, it means he had four or five uh, Americans under him, and they all had uh, agents, and they were trying to find out what was going on in the region. That's what intelligence officers do. And unfortunately, a few weeks before the Battle of Huey, when he arrived, he had the Stars and Stripes, no, it wasn't Stars and Stripes, it was Army Times, uh, posted a picture of him and said, uh, they do this all the time with people who are moving from place to place. Intelligence officer Gostitz to Saigon. So you have to understand that the enemy is going to read our newspapers just like we read his. So they knew as an intelligence officer. He kept insisting that he was a clerk. He didn't know anything. And they just... They just tortured him terribly. When he was finally allowed to be in the company of other POWs near the very end of the war, he had so many rotted teeth. Another another POW and another guy in this story, uh, a doctor who was stationed there with him, made a string out of tiny slivers of bamboo that he wove together and pulled three of his 18 teeth that were <laughs> rotted. Wow. It just saved his life. A fountain of pus came out. I'm sorry, it's going to gross out a lot of people. He was crazy for more than a year after he was repatriated. He had just completely lost his mind. And the way he got healthy again was by painting. He became a painter. His paintings, of course, are very dark and scary, but he's been able to sell enough to live on. He's given most of them away, even so. That's one guy in the book, Ted Gostas. The guy who saved his life was Hal Kushner. Hal Kushner was a flight surgeon, 1st Battalion, 9th Cav, which is a recon outfit. And he was himself a pilot. Uh, his father was an Army Air Force pilot in World War II, and Hal was born in Tripler Army Hospital in Hawaii. He was there as an infant on Pearl Harbor Day. His father flew against the Japanese until he was shot down and wounded. And then he, after recuperation, they sent him to Europe and he flew against the Luftwaffe. So Hal got his pilot's license when he was 16. With the help of his father, bought a Piper Cub when he was 18. And he became a flight surgeon with the Ninth. One day he was on a flight out of Da Nang or somewhere around Da Nang up in the north. And the his Huey, he wasn't flying, he was just a passenger, crashed into a mountainside. Pilot was killed. The co-pilot was dying. The crew chief went for help and was never seen again. Hal stayed with the uh, dying co-pilot until he died, and then he took off looking for help. Went down the mountain, he found himself in a little village, and the villager identified himself, Boxy, doctor, and uh, villager identified, invited him into his hut and came back with the local VC. Now, in a crash, he'd broken his left collarbone. He couldn't raise his left arm. So when the VC came in with a carbine, he said, you know, hands up. 
he could only raise one hand, so he shot him. Shot him in his, he was getting him for his face, but he hit him in the neck. Wow. They frog marched him with his hands tied behind his back 30 or, or 40 miles a day into the jungle, and he stayed in his little POW camp until everybody but him was dead. And then they brought him up to Hanoi, and he joined the Hanoi Delta. Now, that's, that's the terrible part of the story. That's some of the stuff that I was find myself dreaming about. He got out. He was, he was repatriated with the others in 1973 and 74. He spent four years in the hospital getting un, many, many operations. And then he stayed in the Army for a while. They set up a special program for him. He took one year as a resident to complete his residency. And then he did uh, four years in ophthalmology. He became a world-class ophthalmologist. He lives in uh, Sarasota, Florida. He's gone all over the world doing charity work, fixing babies' eyes in six and all four continents. Well, not all four continents. I'll call it three and a half yeah. if you count Asia Minor. Turkey and Israel. He's been teaching foreign doctors how to do these operations. He was on the staff of a hospital in Sarasota, and they, and they made him chief of staff, the voter chief of staff. Hell of a guy. And by the way, on his mother's side, a collateral descendant of Benjamin Harrison. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hal Kushner is one of 50 men and women profiled in They Were Soldiers, They Were Soldiers, the sacrifices and contributions of our Vietnam veterans, a new book that uh, makes the case that uh, the Vietnam generation of soldiers is as great as any generation of soldiers that preceded them. Marv Wolf is the co-author of We Were Soldiers, co-author along with Joseph Galloway, Marv is joining us via Zoom. We'll talk some more with Marv after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your drivers and business licenses even garnish your wages freeze your bank accounts and go after your spouse solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money make this 100 percent guaranteed risk-free call right now 800-649-0142 800-649-0142 that's 800-649-0142 Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon 
gemstones of narrative. Something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.